Welcome to the Waterways World Podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of higher fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World Podcast. I'm Bobby Cowling, the editor of the magazine. Now, a topic we've often touched on in previous episodes, but until now we yet to explore, is contemporary waterway restoration. There are over 50 restoration schemes active in England and Wales, and we thought it'd be useful to give an overview of the current scene, with a focus on the projects that are making significant advancements. And there's few people better placed to provide this kind of insight than our news editor, Andrew Denny, who spends a good deal of time reporting on the progress of restoration projects. Of course, we're not able to discuss every restoration, so please don't be offended if your local scheme doesn't get a mention, which I'm sure you'll still find it fascinating. So, let's take a listen. Here we are, Andrew, at the beginning of 2022. In spite of the pandemic, last year seems like it was quite a good year for restorations. Yes, it was. Um, I think all restoration societies were complaining about the problem of getting volunteers, and a lot of volunteer work did slack off. On the other side, there seemed to be an awful lot of money sloshing around to um, to finance uh, restorations. Um, I don't know if that was the government levelling up stuff. Generally speaking, I think volunteering went down. So the element of restoration that relied on volunteers was uh, a little problematic. I was you mean speaking... sort of on-the-ground kind of work? <laughs> yes, that's right. And often often the, the minor work, the vegetation control and things like that, mm. you've got to remember that re- restoration, of course, isn't all bricklaying. A lot of it is actually just keeping back the growth of vegetation and um, stopping things from backsliding. I suspect um, the backsliding stuff, the work got less on that because it's all volunteers getting together, um, you know, at weekends, and a lot of them couldn't do that. Because of the pandemic restrictions or concerns about their health, yeah, which is perfectly understandable, yes. What were the big stories, Andrew, of last year then? Because there were quite a few, it seems to me. Yes, well, the the biggest story of all, I think, came right at the very end of the year, just now, in fact, in the last few days, when um, the Cotswold Canals Trust managed, not, I should mention, actually, the Cotswold Canals Partnership um, managed to get the um, replacement of the um, the canal tunnel under the railway at Ocean, or Stonehouse, replaced in just a, in just a week. What? It's quite an amazing achievement. But also earlier that year, the crossing under the A38 nearby, which uh, was financed by the Highways Agency or Highways England, yeah. and the two things together, a sort of pincer movement, just knocked knocked out the two most difficult um, obstacles. Uh, parts of that restoration. Yeah. The obstacles, yes. So how far off completion is that route? Well... 
they're looking at um, f- finishing the whole project and connecting up Stroud to the outside world by probably the end of 2024. So probably another three years. They'd hope to be, be quicker. Um, that is going to be a, quite an amazing achievement. There's still another blockage to sort out under the motorway, but everything is financed and everything is uh, in in train. Yeah. So when, when it is completed, what, what will that mean for boaters? It will mean another 10 or 15 miles of cruising uh, wow. d- directly connected to the network, not just isolated, but um, it will mean that an, a whole new town is connected to uh, the outside world via the Gloucester and Sharpness Canal. Wow. So that's the Cotswolds. What 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 else has been in the headlines this over the past year? In restoration terms, mm-hmm. uh, the other big news is the Montgomery Canal and the all the government building back better plans and the billions of pounds they were uh, offering councils around the country. Yeah. Um, councils were invited to bid for um, funds to improve their local neighbourhoods. And the Montgomery Canal was one beneficiary of £15 million, which will result in about several miles more, maybe four or five miles more of canal um, on the Montgomery Canal. That's amazing. Taking it down to Welshpool. It's hard to say whether that will connect it up um, completely or not, or whether it'll leave an area detached and there's still more work to do. Because the Montgomery bid will um, still rely on bridges being fixed. You mentioned this point about the uh, levelling up fund. Wasn't there an issue on the um, with the um, Mon and Breck restoration in South Wales regarding not the local council not applying for, for that funding or something like that? The council didn't. The Mon and Breck Trust was so annoyed that they didn't that it felt it should have made an effort to get some funding in. But uh, the council really said, um, we can't, you know, we we can't do this. We can't spend the money. The problem with that government offer was that the money had to be spent within two years. And if the trust, if the restorations didn't have something lined up that could be done in two years, it was really wasted. It wasn't going to be spent. Um, and so the the council just felt felt it wasn't their time to to apply for it. Yeah. And you have to. I think I have to sympathise with the council in that way. If you're just suddenly told by your uncle, "Here's five million quid, go and spend it as quickly as you can on something that's worthwhile," you'd probably have a difficult job doing that if you didn't have <laughs> sure I would. plans lined up. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not, I'll take your point. And one that I know that's been in the news quite a lot because it's fairly local to me is the Grantham Canal. Yes, the Grantham Canal is slightly different in that um, it's not doesn't have a plan at the moment to connect with the outside world. It's all very vague. Uh, it will create a lot of canal that's isolated, and this is this is one of the problems. That the biggest challenge of the Grantham Canal will actually be connecting it to the River Trent and the outside world. They are slowly going ahead with um, restoration, and they have a a plan but uh it really involves restoring the inner part of the canal before they tackle the route to the trent at the very end mm. um that's a, 
It's the case with a lot of these restorations. The big barrier is often connecting it with the main canal network. The Lancaster Canal has the same problem. At, um, the northern reaches. Those, those so-called northern reaches. The work is going on about it, and it's they're making a very good effort at it, but they have this great unmentioned barrier of connecting to the outside network, connecting down to the main Lancaster Canal. Uh, which is probably going to be the biggest challenge of all. Mm. The Grantham Canal faces the same issue, and so do so, several others. The um, the Wilson Barks, for example, which is solid plans to connect up Swindon with the, uh, the the canal, but they still have to connect that to the Thames and to the Kennet and Avon. Mm. That's a, a canal we hear a lot about in the news. That seems like quite a an active restoration group, the Wilson Barks? It is making great strides. Um, the Wilson Barks is trying to get funding from Highways England in the same way that the Cotswold Canals did about uh, getting Highways England to finance the motorway crossing. Right. This That's going to be a major challenge, but it's also going to be a major accomplishment if they do it. Mm. But it turns out that most of the cost of these crossings is not actually building the darn thing it's providing alternative routes for traffic because the traffic can't come to a halt if it's a major motorway you just can't block it off for a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah um and and it, it's been estimated that 10 to 15 million pounds could be the cost of crossing the motorway for the wilson barks right. but only about Two or three or four million pounds of that would actually be the underpass. It would actually be the tunnel under the motorway. The rest of it would be providing alternative routes for the traffic. Okay. When did um, Highways England start funding restoration? That's a fairly new thing, isn't it? Yes, they, they have a scheme um, whereby they can give grants to local communities to compensate for the inconvenience that roadworks are creating. When a new road divides a community or causes some long-term problem, they they have a budget for funding the local community with something else that will compensate them. I forget what it's called. But it it meant that in Cotswold Canal's case, there was £4 million that they could spend to uh, create that... uh, um, that crossing under the A38. And the A38, incidentally, is a very interesting road because it's one of the longest in England. It goes all the way up to Yorkshire and it also creates the same inconvenient barrier to the Litchfield Canal restoration. And the Litchfield Canal is another one now that's having that same problem of wanting um, money from the highways, from Highways England to create a crossing underneath the A38. Right. All over the country, the roads have... There's a, the road planners of the 1960s have a lot to answer for. Definitely, yeah. You mentioned the Lancaster Canal. There's the um, the M6 bang in the middle of that at, at Tewitfield, is it? Yes, Tewitfield, that's right. Tewitfield. In fact, the M3, the M6, I mean, sorry, the M6 crosses the Lancaster Canal in three places. That's true, yeah, yes. All over the, the country, there are these problems, but I mean, it's not all bad. I mean, I was speaking, in fact, today to Peter Buck, the restoration um, manager of the Litchfield Canal, and he's very, very optimistic about all the little bits and pieces that are slowly being uh, filled in, mm. all the little gaps in the map that are being done. And um, work, work is going on in all of them. Do you think um, 
restorations tend to be achieved kind of piecemeal, inch by inch? Or is it often the case that just it's, you know, heritage lottery funding comes along and bang, huge strides are made and restoration is completed in that way? It's always done in fits and starts, I think. Right. What happens is the the restoration societies create that sense of loyalty on the ground, um, which impresses eventually the um, the, pe- the big pockets, impresses the governments, impresses the bureaucrats with their loyalty. I mean, and commitment. It's yeah. yes, that's right. I don't think there's any restoration that slowly filled in all the gaps and itself organically so to speak mm. i think it's the the restoration societies have impressed the governments with their solid intent and their loyalty and mm. suddenly an opportunity comes along that can be funded um, by the government substantially and then bang suddenly the the um you know the the gap is filled um, you can think of the Huddersfield Canal and the Rochdale Canal, which for years and years and years were just slowly filled in, but no, no navigation achievements, very few navigation achievements, until suddenly the government could be persuaded to overcome one barrier or another. Until then, there would just be little patches of cruising that restored. It seems to me that around... The late 90s and then early 2000s, there was kind of a huge load of uh, restorations were achieved. There was a massive amount of money sloshing around back in the 90s. Um, Is that what it was? uh, Just financial? There was an awful lot of uh, uh, money, yes. Uh, You think of the the tens of millions of pounds that went into the Rochdale and the Huddersfield, um, the restorations of the Standage Tunnel, for example. And don't forget, uh, back then as well, Scotland was part of the British Waterways Empire. And suddenly you had these huge, great big projects like the Falkirk Wheel, Mm. uh, which were financed um, by lottery funding and government, central government funding. Um, An enormous amount of money that uh, they didn't have. Uh, The government grant for... British Waterways twenty years ago was in the in the orders of seventy, ninety, hundred million, and it's much, much less than that now. Why? What's happened to all the money? Where's it gone? Well, the the Rochdale and the Huddersfield for one. <laughs> they they were the great the, the Rochdale, the Huddersfield, and the Lowland Canals in Scotland. No, I mean, where's it the, gone? What I mean is, where's it gone today? You know, where why haven't why aren't those re resources still available to us? Well. From 2006, 2009 onwards, the the financial crash, yeah. uh, there were other things happening as well at the same time. I mean, the funding that was going to waterways 20, 20 odd years ago uh, was considered, was withdrawn. I mean, I don't know the exact uh, details, but yeah. the funding was withdrawn largely because it had to be spent in other ways. The, the government felt the... Um, the waterways had had a fair crack, and there were other things. There were far, there was farming, for example, that was uh, needed supporting. Mm. Um, it, it, it was just a golden era for restoration, and that's largely gone now. I think. Um, that, was the last canal restored the Droitwich? Yes, actually, there's uh, there's quite a story to tell about the 
the droid witch it was in 2011 the, that's right well in fact the droid witch um, restoration was pushed ahead in a decade before then um, I mean I suppose back in the early 2000s the droid witch was the last one to receive a substantial investment from the British waterways uh, so mm. the Cotswold Canals was coming on at the same time and British waterways were very heavily involved in that and were planning to be the major controller of the Cotswold restoration. And then there was a huge breach in um, the Monon Breck at that time, 2007, I think it was, and British waterways were faced with a two, was faced with a 10 million pound repair bill for just one breach. And they withdrew from the Cotswold Canals because they realized that they'd putting all their risks on Cotswold. And if it didn't work out, they were faced with all the bills. Mm. Um, and they just withdrew from that thing. There's quite a story to be told about that. I think we wrote about it a couple of years ago. Yeah, I do remember that. Waterways World has been Britain's best-selling canals and rivers magazine since 1972. In each monthly issue, you'll find the latest waterway news, practical advice on boat buying and boat ownership, reviews of the latest craft and equipment, a pull-out cruising guide to help you plan your next trip, first-hand accounts of Waterways Live, and insights into the history and heritage of our canals and rivers. For subscription offers, visit waterwaysworld.com, where you'll also find a searchable magazine archive, our interactive Ask an Expert Advice section, and our boat search feature, the most comprehensive listing of canal boats for sale you'll find online. That's waterwaysworld.com. was restored in 2011 which is next do you think well i think inevitably the cotswold canals it's just got a tremendous momentum behind it it's also a very wealthy part of the country which mm. is um ironically it's didn't receive that much restoration money 20 30 years ago in the 1990s that all went up north mainly because of the um of an early version of the levelling up agenda. Uh, It's only later that when the Droitwich was restored that they saw what a success it was for the town itself and they went back to restoring um, the Cotswold. The Cotswold one was interesting because it was originally going to be the restoring right through to the Gloucester and Sharpness and the Heritage Lottery Commission said don't spend all that money um, we don't know if we can, if you can spend all that money um, at once. Take it in two parts. So they split the bid up for that restoration into two chunks. The first was the inland chunk. Um, they thought just restoring the inland part in the town of Stroud would uh, would show the value of it, and it seems to have done it because once they digested all that money and proved they could restore a good canal. The application for money for the last part of the restoration went through without much of a hitch, really. Um, And um, there was a second strand to the Cotswold thing, which is the efforts they're making to make it the path for a water supply to transfer water from the River Severn to the River Thames 
because London is going to be short, continually short of water in the future. Um, and they are now preparing a second bid to use this pumping scheme for water from the Severn, which would go up to the Sapperton Tunnel, mainly in a, a pipe, and then create the water to allow it to just trickle down to the Thames via the restored Thames and Severn Canal. And this would give a, the money that's been spent on that could be used at the same time to restore the other side of the Cotswold Canals, the Thames and Severn Canals, down to Lechlade, um, financing the rest of the restoration. So there's, there's, two, there's two elements to the thing. They've, they've got two reasons for developing it. Yeah. Um, you spoke about uh, the, the north-south divide. A lot of the projects we've been looking at so far are in the south of the country. Do you think that some of the northern restorations are being overlooked? or I don't know centrally from the government's point of view if they're doing that. Um, a lot of it is council-led. And there's the example of the Barnsley Canal, the Barnsley, Dern and Dove restoration, which uh, seem to be ticking along nicely, at least in one part of it. But um, the Barnsley, Dern and Dove Restoration Trust closed down last year because Barnsley Council would not support the restoration. And mm. so the other elements of it, the other councils who were really keen on the restoration, um, on their own couldn't do it. And, and it was just the council that refused to support the restoration so the society closed and they transferred all their assets to the chesterfield canal the chesterfield is doing very well yeah um, yeah always very active aren't they that mm-hmm. always seem to be doing something always sending press releases they would be much would have been much more successful if hs2 hadn't come on the scene because the plan to take the that the high-speed railway from the Derby Nottingham area up to Leeds sized right through the Chesterfield Canal's plans, and they had to um, they had to just uh, put everything on ice for five years. Uh, I think it was 2013 when they were told that HS2 was coming, and they could not do anything at all on the Chesterfield Canal for several years, except very minor, you know, just maintenance, this vegetation control and the um, the volunteer work. They Apart from that, they couldn't really take any strides until that sort of sword of Damocles hanging over their head, the HS2 route, was solved because HS2 had planned to use the base of the canal for its own route. But that section's not been built now, is it? No, no one knows what's happening with HS2 (sighs) up there, but it looks like it's possibly not going ahead. Um, And the astonishing thing about that was that HS2 was relying on old maps. It was relying on um, ordnance survey maps that had been given by, well, by ordnance survey, um, that were out of date, that showed the canal as disused or derelict, not under restoration, which is what it actually was. Um, uh, That's an astonishing admission to find that out. Uh, Quite amazing. Um, I think now the it's going ahead again slowly. There's the. HS2 people have come to some uneasy compromise with the Chesterfield Canal Trust. But um, they are going along with that one, I think. But The, the Ashby Canal is another one that's um, fell victim of HS2, hasn't it? Yes, that's right. Um, looking at the... 
and I'm looking at the map here now, then the I think they had a, a coherent route, a coherent plan, which again was trampled over by the railway planners. Uh, it's a very sad case. I mean, I don't know what to say about um, about that. Uh, the poor old restorers there. Are but they've doing... not given up, though, Andrew, have they? I mean, they're still making uh, strides forward, aren't they? They are slowly. I, I mean, I think um, the Ashby Canal section has not got far to go in many ways, and it's just got one big problem uh, to solve about um, a mile or two of canal, which was had was not just penciled in, was already financed and ready to um, build. Um, and I just think they're just trying to get one decision reversed there. I mean, I think it's, Ashby Canal is opti- long-term is optimistic. Where will that go when that's, that's completed? It will actually go to, not, to Misham, not far from Swaddlingcote. But it, it, ironically, it won't go to Ashby. No. Um, <laughs> it never did it ever. No, well, only in the initial stages of the initial plans 200 years ago, I yeah. think they did. The, aim, the intention was to get to Ashby, but they, they didn't get there. No. The other one that sort of, sort of will they, won't they, the sort of Schrodinger's cat of a canal, you know, you're not sure if it's alive or dead, is the Manchester Bolton and Berry, um, which has been under development for so many years. Um and uh, only last year, they there was a plan to revi- revive the. Um, uh, there's a plan to revive the uh, the scheme by restoring the classic 1936 breach of the canal uh, up near Bury itself, um, which was has just in the last month been turned down by the planners, and so Manchester, Bolton, and Bury is buried yeah i don't know what will happen to it but it's just back to square one it's just so depressing the berry scheme was squelched by green um what's it what's it called the green um the green belt that's right oh i see <laughs> the, the green belt was uh has obstructed so many development plans um, and you can probably tell that I'm a bit sceptical about it, but they decided that a canal, a restored canal, was not part of the green belt up in Manchester, up in the Manchester Bolton and Berry. What's happening with the Cromford Canal? Well, it's very promising there, in one sense. This, this great desire just to extend the connected section a little bit is... Um, is something that's being done with the Cromford Canal. They hope they're going to get another mile of canal or so forth out of it. Um, an application has gone in for this, and that mm. is uh, um, very, very promising. Uh, you've you've got the element of planning to go through first, but then you've got the funding to go. Well, I think they've sort they've sorted out the planning element of it, um, yeah. and the these restorations have to just finger their way through the countryside where they can, finding spare um, passage through old disused culverts or something like that. And Mm. they've managed to do some, advance the planning on it very, very well there. Um, But uh, they've got to find funding. And sometimes the funding is harder to, is the key to it. And sometimes the planning is the key to it. And the Cromford Canal, they've sorted out the planning for the next stage. Um, Yeah. The, the reason why I ask is I was up there recently and uh, there's a lot of people visiting. You know, it's a real visitor attraction. 
and uh, I think the trip boat's back in action, Birdswood, from what I hear, mm-hmm. which is great. So, um, well, no, that's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and another canal restoration nearby is the Derby Canal, I should say. Um, you know more about it than I do, that particular one, because <laughs> It's your neighbourhood. It's it your childhood stamping yes. ground. Stomping well, they're ground. actually, you know, made, making huge strides forward now. They've got a mile, uh, the Golden Mile, uh, back in water um, at Draycott, and then they've just completed, I think, the restoration of some very uh, pretty uh, canal-side cottages there, which they're going to generate income for the trust. So many of these developments can be much better if they can be connected up uh, to the network. If the, if just a connected part, a navigable section can be connected up so there's more cruising, it can give much more momentum than just restoring the odd half mile here and there. Yes. Um, but well, the, the I think Derby, Derby, for the foreseeable, is that kind of canal. There's a section, a small section going back in water, um, in Spondon, which is part of a property development, and there's a talk of a, a section going in in Chelliston, but they're not. They're doing obviously. They're not going to connect either to the Trenton Mersey or the Airwash Canal directly. Um, but uh, you're right. Yes, so the there Derby's- is work going on to reinstate San Diego Lock. Um, at the connection with the um, Airwash Canal. So if that, you know, if that gathers momentum, there may that well be a small the, section back in water over that way in Elkiston. The Derby Canal Trust is still campaigning for their great big scheme to uh, uh, lift boats across the river mm. um, with the, not the wheel, what do you call it, that giant? Well, I think they're going to call it the, the, the Derby Arm. Um, like a, so like a big boat lift. That's right. There's so many of these restorations trusts have got these grandiose schemes. And uh, I know that one um, fellow working on the uh, Chesterfield Canal, Geraint Coles, uh, was very, very sceptical that that these great big schemes were, were really the way to go. He didn't think so at all. Just mm-hmm. because Volker Wheel works, he thinks every every scheme wants its own Falkirk wheel so to speak an example was the Daventry canal as well which wanted that the arm in the Daventry arm the proposed one Grand Union one that was going to take the canal into Daventry was going to use a special kind of boat lift and they they tried to use that to attract funding and elsewhere um on the scheme there was um I think on the Wilson Barks had one. They had these grandiose schemes to to get these enormous giant toys to attract tourists to ogle at the marvel of boats going around the skies. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't Which think it's an impressive sight. It has to be said. Well, it, will it will it end up being a a, um, a white elephant? Um, will it replace just a boring idea of a flight of ten locks? Let's say. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, many many of the canal developers are skeptical of this, but the societies that don't have to pay for them think they will be the answer. Um, I don't know. I, really I do don't think know. I do think you're right in that the Falco wheel is 
the inspiration for a lot of these those schemes. Well, I think people think, well, it's it's we'll, it will make it a tourist attraction in and of itself, um, thus bringing people to the canal. And, you know, so yeah, I think you're right in that regard. Yeah, there, there is a danger in some of these restorations of just um, uh, not setting money aside for a rainy day. Don't forget when in the 1980s, I think 1980 to 1984. Um, Blissworth Tunnel was closed for four years. If another tunnel was supposed to have a major catastrophe, like the Harecastle Tunnel, that cost tens of millions of pounds to fix, um, I don't think anyone will be in a mood to finance these big schemes on the restorations. Um, they've really got to be prepared for the, the horrors that might come from events like, for example, Toddbrook Reservoir, which, if it had collapsed, could have closed a whole section of waterway yeah. because uh, it, people would have thought, well, what's the point in having all these uh, things like the Todd like reservoirs feeding canals if they're just going to destroy and whole neighbourhoods and possibly kill a lot of people, God forbid. Well, yeah, I mean, um, that, that would have so, been, that episode would have been a, a nightmare on so many levels. Wouldn't it? There are contingency budgets that the, Canal waterways authorities have to put aside, and not just Canal and River Trust, the uh, Environment Agency too. One canal restoration scheme that we used to hear a lot about was the Herefordshire and Gloucestershire Canal. We don't hear quite as much about that now, do we? It might be a personnel thing, I don't know. Yeah, Um, yeah. uh, There was a point where they seemed to be making huge strides forward. I think it's back to this kind of, you know, uh, what you were saying before about the pace of these restorations kind of being a bit stop-start. The Hereford and Gloucester was one restoration, was another restoration that had right from the start a huge barrier, which was the entrance uh, to it. And rather like the Lancaster Canal at Tewartfield, had to overcome this massive great problem of crossing the M6. So the Hereford and Gloucester has to has to... Uh, master the problem of getting onto it in the first place. The entrance to the canal at Over is probably, I'd heard, going to cost £30 million to, to just to create an entrance to it. Um, once you've got a channel, once you've got... Where would it a, connect to? Near Gloucester, at a place called Over. On the southern? Um, yes, that's right. O- Over is, um, is on a, a sidetrack uh, of the... A, a tributary of the Severn, um, yeah. it used to have a very deep lock connecting it, and that's been out of action. That's been fill, infilled for many, many years. Now, once you can get onto that particular restoration, then there's the channel, the old channel winding through the countryside, which can be more or less restored by volunteer labour. But getting the this huge project of getting getting the boats onto the canal in the first place getting the entrance sorted out is the big barrier as with so many of these things it's just the great big project at the start that um that causes the problem and i i did an article a couple of years back about uh lottery funding and the the euro millions and just having this dream of winning a hundred million pounds or more and thinking which of these barriers i would fund to 
to kickstart a restoration. You mean if you if you won the lottery? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. There, there are a number of them that just need 10, 20, 30 million pounds to get going. And until they get, if they can get past that barrier, then volunteer work can take a lot of, uh, can achieve an enormous amount. Um, because it feels like, you know, you've just, if you've just filled in the next quarter, half a mile, like on the Montgomery Canal, as they're doing at the moment, you're actually making progress and it attracts more volunteers. Um, but if you've got this massive great barrier and then all you've got is the occasional volunteer working in the middle of nowhere, possibly restoring a little bit, but it still looks like a pond because it's only 100 yards long, um, it's not so inspiring. Yeah. Um, I, but what I, are the other um, waterway projects that are particularly active at the moment? Well, things that uh, things that could accomplish something. What one of them is the, uh, that I'd love to see more of is the Sleaford navigation. This is something that can uh, uh, that connects with the outside world, and that a little bit of effort here and there can um, can extend it further and that's very very promising little section but um it's barrier a lot of its barrier is environmental that you've got to persuade the um the environment agency that you know extending to something to the next lock is actually going to be um not it's not going to harm the great crested newt or whatever yeah yeah. And, and that's a, that's a real problem for a lot of these smaller agencies, a lot of these smaller restorations. Um, you've got to spend so much in so, so satisfying. Was it Natural England? Is that the organisation? Pocklington Canal is another of these ones where where the environment part is the most difficult. Satisfying the environmentalists is the most difficult part. Well, it's most of that. A good section of that's navigable, though, isn't it? Yes, but each time it's each time they extend a little bit more, um, they have to go through more hoops to satisfy the environmentalists. And I don't want to sound like the envi the environmentalists are the great enemy, but um, uh, I think there's there is Mark a there is a point where they won't cooperate, or they you know there, there is a battle between between um, the boats and the environmentalists. The Montgomery Canal is is an example of that actually now they've got the four million pounds or the, they've got the 15 million pounds to extend four miles a large part of that money is actually going to balancing ponds as they're called to make sure that when the boats come and scare off all the uh, the newts that the newts have got the alternative habitat Somewhere to hide to, yes yeah. well because um, i was going to say um the Mon montgomery canal has been you know that was going to be the next canal restoration going back years and years mm -hmm. it's just not got there has it because of presumably the the issues with the uh with it being a site of well here we go sites of special scientific interest triple si who named these who gave you thought these names up it's so interesting they could call it something catchy like uh, attenborough ponds or something like yeah. that yeah um, that, would, that would uh, help. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, um, another, you see, another little thing we should give a shout out to is the, um, the Louth Canal. In, on the Lincolnshire Walls, that's a great sort of hilly area in between Lincoln and the 
North Sea. And yeah. one tiny little navigation that has as having problems restoring um, with restoration is the Louth Canal, only about eight or ten miles long, but um, it's just begging to be restored, and it's it's obstructed by a, I think it's a North Sea gas pipe that goes over the entrance of the old canal near this near the sea, mm. and it carries a large part of Britain's North Sea gas ashore. And it's going to cost a huge amount to to change, and so the the Louth Canal is uh, is really held up by that because boats can't you know seagoing boats could be small seagoing boats, but they can't enter the boat, they can't enter the canal, and there's very little incentive to uh, restore it further. Mm. So there are all these barriers that are existing. Um, Driffield is another the Driffield navigation. Uh, which meets up with the River Hull is uh, is is suffering from um, they, they can't they've got a section that could have been restored but hasn't been because what is of, the obstruction? Um, it's a lowered bridge that was once oh, a swing okay. bridge, and that right. needs and unfortunately, if it uh, if it could be. Uh, turned back into a swing bridge, that would be all really great, mm. but it's also in the years since it was closed as a swing bridge and the navigation was closed, it's become a busy commuting area. Wow, and, right. and there would be, there are already at, at traffic at um, rush hour times, there are large queues of traffic to get through and trying to sort out the, um, sort that out. That, yeah. And, and to, to, yeah. to, to, tell, to tell rush hour traffic for, that has no other way of place to go, to that it can't access this bridge for a year is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. All, all these, see, like so many of these restorations, it's not the actual work being done that's the problem. It's the alternatives you have to provide while you're doing the work that yeah. are the real expensive parts. What's um, happening with the Wayne Aaron? Because that's uh, another, uh, another, another um, canal restoration that features a lot in our pages. It's doing very well uh, in in its in its way. It's got a plan mapped out. the The trust is the Way and Aaron Trust is buying up stretches of the canal near the River Way. It now owns over a mile of canal itself, um, and it's it's gradually filling in um, the gaps, so to speak. Uh, there's, uh, I think, uh, that it's just ticking along nicely. But um, I don't think you'll see traffic coming from. It. Uh, from the river way for quite a few years yet, but I think you will see a development. Um, uh, you will see more of the dots being joined up, and mm. the trip boats will have longer to go. I think it's making good progress, um, and it's in a. It does help that some of these areas they're in a good part of the country, they're in a wealthy part of the country, um, where there is a lot of volunteer labour and a lot of goodwill and. It is surprising, actually, that considering how many wealthy houses it runs past, it, so it is quite remarkable how many of them are supporting it and not opposing it. Looking ahead to 2022, is there anything you're anticipating on the restoration news front? The Montgomery and the Cotswold are the two bright spots. No question yeah. about that. They are both going ahead, motoring ahead. Um, if the Cotswold Canals Trust can 
get the water companies to agree to um, to about this uh, idea of using water transfer from the Severn to the Thames as a way of financing the Thames and Severn, that's going to make a huge difference. Probably by the end of this year, they can mm-hmm. they come to a decision on that. If if they can get if they can agree, then um, I mean the, the sky's the limit for the Cotswolds. I think. Yeah. Excellent. Well, watch this space. We'll be carrying all the news in Waterways World, written by today's guest, Andrew Denny. Oh, I would try. It's very hard keeping up with the whole country. I just today I found I was speaking to Peter Bach, the restoration director of the Litchfield Canal, and there's mm. stuff going on there that he had, which I hadn't since my last visit a few months ago. I had no idea had happened, and they hadn't blown their trumpet quite as they should. Um, mm. It's very very exciting. I'm going to see them on Saturday uh, and to see progress on the ground there with. Um, uh, in, in that particular case, Litchfield Canal is very lucky because they've come to an agreement with HS2 to pay for an, a, a diversion of the canal. And they've got big developments going on, housing developments that are going to be um, where the canal restored canal is going to be the back garden for these houses. And amazing. They're, they're yeah. brand new houses in Greenfield sites. Quite amazing. There's one other which we haven't mentioned, the Sankey Canal, or sometimes the St. Helens Canal, although I think Sankey is now the official name um, and claims to be the oldest canal in the country, predating the Bridgewater. Um, although it's a long story about why it's, not, why it's sort of slipped back into obscurity. Um, but that is something that relies on, um, that again will rely on councils. It's got the council's support further up but closer to the river mersey where it enters near the manchester ship canal it's got um uh, it's got problems with local authorities and let's hope uh, that uh, the, their that local authority can cooperate i think warrington is the local council there well andrew can, can we just give a shout out to shrewsbury newport canal it's um it's another one that's really, really frustrating that can't seem to get started. Um, that's got a lot of um, support in the middle section around Telford, um, but uh, is having problems getting down to Newport. From the this is a canal that runs from Norbury Junction halfway up the Shropshire Union down to Shrewsbury. Yeah, and that is another lost uh, jewel that could be brought back to life it's not completely lost it's um very very slow it's just how they're going to come overcome the issue of the locks at newport um, i don't know um <laughs> they've got no idea <laughs> it's uh it's just another of these barriers that needs uh someone with a hundred with who's winning a lot of money in the lottery just to provide one great big um <laughs> Well, all I can say, Andrew, is keep buying those tickets. <laughs> because well, I, you, know, I started, you never know. I started dreaming this t- this idea of of being a lottery angel um, yeah. because I was writing so many stories about lottery funded projects on the canals, and I felt guilty that uh, I was doing all this and not contributing myself. Around about thirty percent of a lottery ticket goes to good causes, so I was buying these tickets occasionally. And I would spend um, 
You know, I buy, I think, a Euro Millions ticket because I only buy them when the, the price is huge and the Euro Millions prizes are usually huge. I was buying a ticket in the, uh, to £2.50 in the hope of winning 100 million quid. And, mm. I, and I would uh, not, I, I would just not feel that I was gambling. I would not check the ticket for five or six months until it was about to expire. And so I still get this ticket. I've got loads and loads of these lottery tickets, which haven't been, I haven't checked. I just check them when they're just, just before they're about to expire. And I call this um, Schrodinger's lottery. I mean, every single one of these tickets is worth about a hundred million pounds or more. And I haven't mm. checked them. And well, altogether, if they all, if they all won, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Well, please check them because you know, the waterways could, uh, <laughs> benefit from that investment just think of all the restored canals you they can probably make. won't i mean keep I, buying I, the tickets because you never know it could be but, you but Andrew, yeah. listen thank you so much for your time today it's been fascinating getting a, an insight into the many many restorations around the around the country we haven't touched on them all there's so many um but uh, i feel like we've given a bit of an insight so thank you so much for your time my pleasure thank you very much For 45 years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. See abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats. Visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation, including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com.